Hey, what's going on? It's another episode of Film Streak. My name is Rob, and look, uh, I just got to say, it's been a little while. If you've just checked out this podcast, you've just uh, picked up a couple of the latest episodes. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you for checking that out. Uh, that was a real trip doing those recordings in the middle of a film festival with uh, people around and a lot of things happening. And uh, it was great to at least talk about some very unique films and even get to get, get those comments from those filmmakers. You know, that that's been a big part of, uh, of, of my enjoyment of films is being able to see a little bit behind the scenes and, and kind of understand the creative process of it. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that. And if you were one of those filmmakers and you're listening to this, thanks for sitting in and just kind of chatting for a while. Um, I, I hope uh, you're having a great time doing the festivals and um, just uh, having the experience of, of getting your work out there in front of people. So uh, good luck on that. And um, I look forward to talking to more filmmakers in the future. You know, we'll just see what happens with that. Uh, in the meantime, for me, it's been a little bit of a, a different adventure because ever since the festival, which was now three weeks ago, uh, as I'm recording this, I had to go and have some surgery done and uh, went and got a nose job. <laughs> no, I went and got some corrective surgery done. And so that that took me out of recording for a little while. And fortunately... We were able to record enough and and get some episodes put together that uh, I hope you were able to enjoy those. And it gave me a little bit of a break from recording. So now I'm back. And uh, and in the meantime, I did get to watch a lot of films to have something to talk about. So we're going to get into a lot of that here in the next couple of episodes. But I uh, just wanted to recap a little bit. And thanks for checking this out. Thanks for any new listeners coming this way. Uh, either because of the film festival or because of the filmmakers that were there and and involved, and I got to you know sit and talk with for a little while. I appreciate it. And so, look, if you want to find some older episodes, you can go back and and see other films that we talked about. You can do that at filmstreak.com. You can go there, uh, subscribe using you know Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Uh, you can sign up to get new episodes by email. Make it a little easier for you. Either way, just go check it out. And I've also got a list of all of these films, um, over 200 now, that I've been keeping track of on IMDb. So you can use that to add to your watch list. You can rate them on your own. You can find out if they're available to watch somewhere, streaming, or or even get tickets. It's actually been a really useful tool. And it, it made me think, um, you know, I, I was talking to some people after the festival uh, or even during the festival and kind of breaking down what the idea is with this. And, you know, especially for anybody who's new, who's just kind of checking this out. Um, you know, the idea is that I, I've got uh, a lot of films I've watched and IMDb I use to keep track of that and to rate and, and kind of remember when I watched them and what I thought of them. And uh, this podcast has been a, a thing where I, I've really been able to identify some blind spots and films that I've either ignored or didn't, didn't even know about in the first place. Um, or I've just kind of put off and you know, sometimes it's new releases. Other times it's just classics or really obscure stuff that maybe I didn't think I had an interest in, but once I kind of got into it and checked it out, um, turns out, Oh man, this is really a, a something that I, that I'm fascinated by. 
So that's been a big part of this exercise is just really trying to enjoy and and be more thoughtful about the type of films that I that I watch and uh, appreciate. With that in mind, everybody that um, that I've gotten feedback from, I've gotten some thoughts and some comments from about this podcast. It's been really helpful. It's been really useful. And uh, so I'll keep that in mind going forward. You know, a big part of it has been, hey, why don't you talk about one film per episode uh, instead of doing this thing where you gang them all together? And frankly, you know, part of it is uh, some of the films I, I, I don't really have a lot to say about. So, you know, still with the idea of trying to appreciate the work and appreciate the effort that's gone into everything, uh, I at least try to gang them up and package them a little bit so that they, they kind of make sense every episode. This film kind of goes with that episode. And, um, you know, another thing has been, um, well, what if you don't like a film and how do you kind of, uh, how do you kind of find that balance between talking about it, but not totally ripping it apart? Um, I was reminded of that being at the film festival and talking to filmmakers and finding the the right way to approach talking about a film. Now, the films that I saw there, I did enjoy. I enjoyed all of those films. But when you're face to face with people who are making the work, it's it's sometimes you have to be very thoughtful and and be very fair and reasonable in how you approach either what you had questions about or, or maybe what you didn't understand about the film or the story and that kind of thing. I try to keep that in mind. Every other film, uh, you know, that I've talked about here on the podcast, um, I have to remind myself, like, you know, there's, there's someone out there who's behind this, who either had the idea or was a part of making it or is a part of getting it out to the world. And so I appreciate the work and the creativity and the craftsmanship that goes into making a film, whether it's a short film or a documentary or feature or, or whatever it is. I know it takes a lot of work. I know it takes a lot of blood, sweat and tears sometimes. So um, I'm trying to always remind myself to be honest and to be thoughtful about how I talk about some of these films, even if I don't like them, even if I really just don't even agree with them. Uh, so, that's something that, you know, I, I've gotten some, some, uh, I've gotten into some discussion about that and, and where I kind of draw the line between being either a, let's say a critic or a reviewer versus being a fan and being an enthusiast. And I, I try to sway or lean towards the latter, you know? I've, I've made some short films. I, I work in the creative space. Uh, I, I do my artwork and, and other creative projects. And so I come at it from that angle is I try to understand the work that went into it and the thought that went into it and, uh, and appreciate it for what it is. So I, I hope that comes across. If not, uh, let me know. Let me know if I'm just turning into, you know, um, some wannabe movie critic. It's not really my, my goal here. My goal is to really go to class a little bit and, and study work and understand what filmmakers are doing and the stories they're trying to tell and the techniques and the methods and everything that's involved with that. And also just document it, just talk about it. And so with that, let's get back on track. 
We're going to jump back into Film Streak, where we left off. All right, this is Film Streak 225, Scream 6. It's for you. Strange that you and I have never spoken on the phone. This is long overdue. What is this place? A shrine. <laughs> Did you miss me? He's gonna keep coming after us. Maybe he gets to win this time. We've got to lure him in. And we execute him. You're a horror fan. It's been said. Everywhere Friday. Okay, so look. Um, this is the second installment of this version of the Scream saga, I guess. We're picking up where we left off with the Scream... Scream? Scream 5? Scream, whatever the last one was. Which was, you know, if I remember right, it was about a year ago when I talked about that film. And so we're picking up with Sam and her sister Tara and Gail and all the other characters that have kind of been reintroduced with last year's installment. And when I watched the last film, I was really in a not in a, I was not in a place to really maybe grasp it or appreciate some of the the ideas in it. And uh so I took the time to really go back and watch every Scream film again, just to have maybe the right context, be in the right frame of mind for this. And um, it's it's strange because this franchise has become a little bit of a time machine. And, and I mean that by when you go back to the first film and you see not only just the the style of it or the look of it, uh, or even the characters, you know, that's very clearly something that's like mid nineties era, uh, culture on display. But even, you know, if, if I remember right, going back to that film, when that came out, it was such a splash of cold water, just right to the face of like, wait, horror movies can do this now. Like they can talk about themselves and they can talk about other films. You know, that was so new and inventive and self-aware that I feel like every film since then has really tried to tried to still work in that territory, but it's never going to feel as original as that one did. And my memory serves, it was a lot of Kevin Williamson being involved with that and, and writing that and his way of looking at pop culture and film and just youth, you know, the energy of it, that sensibility that really rang loud and clear in the first film 
And even into the first three, you know, that original trilogy, I feel like that was a big, that was a big part of what made those films so unique just across the horror genre, but even just across the film landscape here. I I just think that it's trying to maybe recapture some of that, but also chart its own course, which, uh, Hey, that's cool. I, I just, I don't know. I really haven't been able to sort out why these films don't work for me. These later films, you know, I, I went back and watched one, two and three and in my mind, those are always kind of the original trilogy, let's say, because they all followed a very distinct set of characters. And they took place roughly within the same amount of time or same period. And when Scream 4 came around, I think that had been like 10 years after. And so then it was a little bit of kind of like, okay, we're digging this thing up now and trying to revive it. And when that kind of really didn't go anywhere and it, you know, it tried to do some things. It it had some interesting tricks up its sleeve, you know, even the, the very opening scene, which had kind of become a little bit of a formula at that point when it turned that on its head and did the, you know, the, the kind of double fake out of you're watching a girl pick up the phone and she gets killed. And then it turns out, Oh, it's actually another girl that's watching that and commenting on it. And then she picks up the phone and then she gets killed. And so then it's a little bit of a, of a trick with the formula, which that's cool. But even the killer turns out to be the, the, what we thought was the protagonist of the film. That's another kind of flipping things on its head situation there. I give it credit. I give it credit for trying to do something different. It's still sticking to the, the basic template of everything. But the fact that it just didn't really come off as very memorable and you know, even to the point where I feel like it's even acknowledged in the film that came out last year and even a little bit in this film of, you know, sequels don't always work and there are rules to sequels and they can go wrong. You know, a lot of that seemed to really come up later in these, these last two films of how you can really screw up sequels and you can mess with the fans of the franchise, let's say. You know, I, I think that was something that wasn't really in the original three because it was maybe not quite as known how big or how much of a fandom these films would, would take on. And just like any other franchise or, or series of, of films, you know, you think of something like Star Wars or even the Marvel Universe. And, you know, those films have very unique and sometimes very vocal fans and you screw with what they like or what they love, and it can be a problem. And so, look, if we get down to the premise of this, of, of Scream 6, and, and what it's about and who the killer is, um, it is a lot, it does hang its hat on that premise of fans can go too far and really take things into really toxic and really dangerous places. And what happens when that line gets crossed? So, you know, look, I mean, if you if you like this film or if you are interested in seeing this film, go see it. You might like it um, just as a continuation. Um, for me, it was a little bit more of just a curiosity, just like the last one. Like, I was just curious, like, how are they going to kind of keep this thing rolling? Like, it seems like it's really long in the tooth at this point. 
you know, for all of the the tricks that it does try to pull off, whether it's you know that opening scene, the the first kill, uh, just like in every film, you know, it does the interesting thing where it does it reveals the killer like right away, and you think, well, this okay, what is going on here? Because this doesn't happen. Like the killer is usually a mystery until the very end of the film. So how how are we getting here already? Something's not right. And when that is eventually within minutes resolved, okay, you think, well, now this film is trying to do something different. So here we are. We're, we're really going to take this in a new direction. And yet, I mean, the film really doesn't. It still kind of falls back to the same formula in a way. And if you've seen the first two films, you kind of already know where this film is going. And I think this is probably the one out of a lot of them uh, or out of most of the films. This is the one that really kind of pulls, tries to pull this off by revealing information that you could have not ever possibly have known as a fan or, or, you know, if you were someone who was paying, paying careful attention. So uh, I, I feel like it's a little bit of like a um, sleight of hand, a little too much sleight of hand that's going on to try and make this premise work, make this plot work. And uh, I, I, it, it feels a little cheap, you know? Um, but like overall, I mean, the idea of like, we're following these characters into a new situation. You know, you've got Sam and Tara, you've got uh, Mindy and uh, Chad, the, the twins that were in the last film, which I, look, for my money, Mason Gooding and Jasmine Savoy Brown, who play uh, the twins there, they, they were really the standouts in the last film that they were new characters. I mean, there was a lot of new characters, but they were two new characters that brought some charisma and brought a little bit of, you know, attitude, a little bit of swagger to it. And it gave it just a different kind of youthful energy. And, and I think that was something that was needed in this franchise because it started to feel like, well, it, okay, we're still following Sydney and Gail and whoever, and they're just getting older. And, it kind of looks like they just don't care about this because I think that's part of this franchise that hasn't been acknowledged yet is, and and it's something I realized watching this film even is that, you know, when you're young, there are a lot of things that are unknown about life and you can be really uncertain about and be scared of. And as you get older, that stuff starts to really kind of fade away. And not to say you've got it all figured out at some point, but there are less mysteries and less so-called dangers in life because you start to live more and you start to experience more and, and you kind of get a handle on what can and cannot happen. And so I feel like I just see that <laughs> when, when Gail shows up or even in the last film, and not in this film, when Sydney shows up, yeah, there's just a sense of like, yeah, these people kind of have been through this. And part of it is like, they don't really care, but also it does fall on the younger characters who haven't gone through anything like this, who are a little bit oblivious to it, to try and deal with this and push through to come out on the other side. And uh, I, I wonder if that's something that's going to be commented on at some point, because I feel like this, this series isn't over. There's another film, at least one more in this series. 
And I think this one even sets it up a little bit. By the end of this film, we see a little more of Sam and her visions of Billy Loomis still kind of lingering in her head, I guess. And, uh, you know, the question I have is still now after two films is how exactly did this happen? How How is Sam Billy Loomis's daughter? I don't really get the connection there. I know it's explained. It's explained in the last film. It's brought up again in this film, but it's still not entirely clear to me because, you know, look for uh, casting aside like Sam and Tara, they're clearly Latinas and Billy Loomis is definitely not. So who's the mother, the mysterious unknown uh, yet to be seen mother in this equation. Right. And that's where I think that's going to come around at some point. Cause it always seems to uh, all these characters, their, their families are involved whether it's Billy Loomis and then his mother coming back in part two to be the killer or Richie in the last film. And well, if you, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, spoiler, it's his father and his brother and sister that turn out to be the killers in this film. And so it's a little bit of a weird thing where family is always involved somehow. And I, I'm sure that that's going to be a part of this where Okay, Sam, she's the main character. She's got these kind of killer vibes brewing underneath. Well, Bailey Loomis was her dad. So who's the mom? And when is that mom going to come around somehow? So I, I feel like that's maybe the last shoe to drop here. And uh, we'll see what happens, I guess. But otherwise, I just don't know where this series would go from here other than that. Um. I feel like if Sydney is no longer in the equation because of like Nev Campbell just didn't want to be in the film, I get it. Um, Dewey's out. Gail is still kind of hanging in there. I, re- I really thought she was going to buy it in this one, but um, everybody else is really kind of out of this from the from the original cast and the original uh, trilogy, let's say. So I think. Um, if you follow all of this, if you're following all these people I'm talking about and all these things that have happened, I, maybe you're a fan. And if you don't, if none of this makes sense to you, I, you know what? I, this might not be a film you need to check out. Uh, but I just think that uh, uh, I, I'm interested to know where this could possibly go. I just don't know that it's going to go anywhere useful at this point. If you're a fan of this franchise, you probably will want to see this, and you probably have already seen this. If not, you know, don't worry about it. Just keep it moving. It's all good. All right, so that's Scream 6. Um, that, right now, I think is currently in theaters, but like, if you want to see all the other films, I was able to catch them all on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, so they're all showing there, and you can do that, just kind of get caught up, or, or even just go into the whole franchise if you've never seen any of them. Okay, now, look, um, let's get into this one. This is the next one up. This is Film Streak 226, John Wick 4. This hit goes out to you, Mr. Wick. Woke up this morning. 42 regular, wasn't it? Yeah. And so it begins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Challenging to single combat. If you win, you'll have your freedom. And when I see you, I'm gonna take what I want, so. 
Amen. Yeah. You ain't real, hold down. Y'all feel the wrath of the killer. Many try, many die, but you wanna walk. Get it bloody. <laughs> the only way John Wick will ever have freedom and peace is in death. Yeah, not really. Okay, look, uh, <laughs> so I just talked about a franchise that really has just been um, uh, an instance of diminishing returns, I feel like, where every film just doesn't really have the power or the uh, the inventiveness of the one before it, right? And here, uh, look, this is a series that honestly has gotten better and bigger and bolder and crazier with every installment. And just like a film can kind of get less entertaining and less engaging, even though you throw more at it, this for, for whatever reason is, is doing the opposite. It is becoming more entertaining and more uh, just wild eyed in its action and its inventiveness and its just audacity really. And here, I mean, you've got a film here where we're, we're catching up with John Wick, Keanu Reeves after what feels like it's been like three or four years. And yet the story really doesn't seem to indicate how much time has passed. And yet we're right back into it. You know, it's, it's a little strange because my view of this franchise and how the story of John Wick has been told, actually, it seems very clear that this series, every film seems to be imagined on its own. It's, it's never really come across as one continuous, entirely imagined arc for this story. If you go back and watch them all again, and you watch John Wick, the very first film, now from, I think, almost like 10 years ago now. And it plays, at least in, in context now, it plays like really kind of basic, generic, 2000s-era action film. It just happens to have Keanu Reeves in it, and it has some really exciting and, and interesting action scenes, but a lot of it kind of feels pretty basic now. It feels like a lot more following a template, you know? And so I could have seen where that was really imagined as like, hey, we're just going to do this. We think it's cool. We think it's going to look good. We think it's going to be kind of an interesting character and a little bit of a, a hint of a bigger world or a backstory with the Continental and all that. But if it just turns out to be one film, then, hey, that's it. Well, that's all we could do, and that's all we're going to do. And when the time came to do a part two and then a part three, 
and uh, now part four, it feels like oh, we have another shot to expand this a little bit, to to make it a little bit bigger, and to do a little more crazier stuff. So let's give that a shot. And that, now maybe there was always kind of a a bigger idea, and and seeing the beginning of John Wick's story, or I should say when he's brought back into the fold with everything in the first film, all the way to what happens at the end of this film. Maybe that was all mapped out in some way, but if you watch film to film, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like this is very much its own thing, even though it's kind of happening right after the previous one. It does feel like its story is its own thing. Each one of these really. And so here, this one is like, it kind of feels like now when we get to John Wick four here, that uh, this is the one where they said, okay, the end is in sight. So now we've really got to lean into everything we want to do. All the crazy shit we can dream up is going into this film. And so whether it's the action or some of the character development, or even the new characters that are introduced, uh, even just the the cinematography and the locations it's like if we're throwing everything at this we're going to make this as big we're going out with the biggest bang we can you know that, that's really ambitious because if it doesn't work if it doesn't really come off consistent with the other films it can feel like a real step in the wrong direction and maybe even trying to close this thing out with a just a thud but here i i man this film is just insane and in all the right ways. I got to say, I mean, there's some interesting moments in this film, but I, I think even just the the amount of characters, the, the cast that's in this film, they really put in the work. And, and they really, uh, they at least come across as their own unique uh, developments in this story. You know, whether you have... Uh, uh, you have John, he goes to Continental in Osaka in Japan, and you've got uh, Koji and Akira, uh, is played by Hiroyuki Sanada and Ria, was it Rina Sa- Samawaya? Rina Samawaya. I'm trying to read it right. I wrote it down here and I can't read my writing. <laughs> but, you know, just those characters, they feel they feel new to the story and they feel like they're getting roped into this whole thing with John now. And when the high table comes to that continental in Osaka and starts to just tear it all up, uh, we get the sense that, man, John really kind of put these people out now and has really changed some of the dynamic between himself and people he's known and people from his past. They were friends or they were acquaintances or they were, uh, let's say, colleagues. Um, nobody wants to deal with John anymore. You know, this this film really, it, it tries to highlight that, I think. And, and it goes into that territory of like, wait, John, what have you done? You know, you've really tried to go back and get vengeance on the high table and everybody involved because of the death of your wife. But then also the, the you know, someone stole your car and they killed your dog. All that. I get it. But you've really kicked off this worldwide conflict now within this organization. And everybody that was either a part of your life or or a part of the work you did, they don't want anything to do with you anymore. And 
when even Winston has to find a way to not only work with John, but work his way towards, we got to strike back at the high table. We got to set this thing right. Because not only they they come after John and they come after the Continental, they destroy it. They do so much. The high table goes so far to pursue John that now, you know, when we have, uh, what's Bill Skarsgård? He plays the Marquis and he's coming after him with all of his force and, um, you know, all of his scheming to bring in another amazing character is Kane, but Donnie Yen. Because it's not just like, oh, well, it's Donnie Yen. So, you know, he's going to do this kick-ass martial arts thing. And he's blind also. So he's a blind swordsman. And like, that's a cool nod and everything. But also, he's got his own backstory. And he's got his own motivation. He's not just coming in as a hired hand. He's doing this for a certain reason. And he's got a certain line he will and will not cross. And that's a that's a deeper addition to the story than I was expecting, I think. And, you know, the the only character who I still think is a little bit of a mystery, and I'm just not clear on what the idea is yet, is um, the tracker who, you know, we don't really get a sense of where he comes into the picture. He just does. But when we have um, this character who's kind of just in and out of the story... And only really comes in at crucial moments, and it seems like sometimes convenient moments to either drive something forward or change directions of a scene. Um, that's why I just feel like it's a little bit of like um, we need somebody to jump into the mix here to change what's about to happen. And so the tracker seems to be that purpose for the most part. I, there's not really enough of a, of a backstory or, or understanding of who this character is and why they're involved in this other than they just want to drive that bounty up and get that money. But I mean, this is a guy going against John wick and somehow hanging with John wick and like, that's nobody else in these films. So how is this guy right here doing it? And that's where I, if this were to somehow go to some other kind of film or spinoff or whatever, I feel like this might be a character that's involved. I, I just don't know. But then we've got other performances by, like I said, Bill Skarsgård. We've got Scott Adkins comes in and he's a, a, a big bad that, uh, that John has got to take on and kind of fight his way through. And man, that is such a brutal, such a punishing fight. The, the whole sequence of trying to like take this guy down. It's pretty amazing. And it's one of those, it, it, you know, it's, it's a fight, a prolonged fight. And one, it's a, a nightclub, a dance club or whatever, which never really quite makes sense because you got all these people just, you know, having a good time, dancing it up or whatever. The music's going crazy. And yet there's like, people throwing each other around like off of balconies and through waterfalls and whatever. And then you've got gunfire and that's always a little bit of a leap. I mean, there's a lot in these films. That's kind of a, just a, uh, you just have to suspend disbelief, but there are other characters here. You've got uh, the harbinger Clancy Brown coming in as a harbinger, who is a, a little bit of a mysterious character. You assume it's someone who's, um, 
has a position in the high table or in that organization. And um, I have to assume that we might see that character again someday. I just don't know. Um, and I, I just think um, if there were some other, I don't know, if there were some other approach to this, uh, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of this world to be explored. And so, look, if, if you're going to see this film, uh, you might want to pause it for or skip ahead like 30 seconds. But I'll just say that the fact that John dies at the end of this film, it really does seem to be like, okay, we're done now. Like, we've done everything we can do. We've taken this character as far as he can go on this path. If there's a future here somehow, it must be without John. Whether that turns into the Continental series or that turns into the ballerina spinoff movie that's coming or some other thing, I just have to assume like John is done. Now, maybe John, as his civilian self, lives on somewhere, but otherwise we're done. And so who are these other characters would we be able to follow? And I, honestly, my, my money right now is on either Winston or Kane. Maybe Akira, but either way, I still think if this team and and these filmmakers are behind it, it's still going to be just as good. It might even be better, honestly. I you know that's really kind of a weird thing to say, I guess. But I got the sense during this film, and I, and I've seen it reported that you know Keanu Reeves only has like three hundred and eighty words of dialogue in the whole film. And it's like a three-hour film. And he is the main character. The film is named after his character, right? And he has so little dialogue. And it became very obvious, very evident that this film, it's not about John anymore. Like, we've gotten everything we need to know about John and what he's trying to do and his motivation in the previous three films. This is all about everybody around him trying to find a way to either take down the high table or get their own vengeance or get their own lives in order, get clear of the high table, all those things, right? Everybody's plotting and and going for their own ends. And John's really just there to maybe make some of it happen or to see it through. And so, so much of the scenes with John in them, it's the other people talking. They're the ones that are, either giving us exposition or giving us the plan or uh, just talking through what exactly is going on in his mind, which is a little strange to say, but it is kind of an interesting trick to be able to do that, to inform what your character is thinking or what, what they need to do next through a different character. So, I, I could see that this film was already starting to build this world or, or reshape this world with the idea of John not being in it. I give it credit for that, for really making a John Wick film with John Wick as kind of a co-star or as a secondary character in a weird way. So with that in mind, I mean, this is a recommendation for me. I, I really enjoyed this film, one, because of the finality of it, but also just the inventiveness of it, the the... Just the ambition of it. I mean, the the action scenes in this, the the fight choreography, the everything in this is is just 
it's stuff that you know you you kind of get a sense after watching so many movies uh especially like here i try to watch so many different types of movies different genres different eras you kind of get a sense after a while like it's all kind of been done before and you've really seen it even if you've seen some of this done before you've probably seen it done in a few different ways and this film look it doesn't do that necessarily it doesn't necessarily break any big ground in terms of action sequences, but it does do it in terms of the, uh, I don't know, the punch of it, you know, the impact. I mean, you've seen some of this stuff in other films before, but you've never quite seen it like this. You've never seen it hit as hard, be as punishing as it is in this film. And, and then also when you do have the, the understanding of why these characters are doing this, it makes it even more, uh, engaging because you really want them to succeed. You really, really want John to get to the top of that staircase. <laughs> Look, even that there's that moment that comes towards the end of the film where John has got this one last thing. He's got to get to the top of this staircase. It's like 200 something steps and it's a real staircase. It's in Paris and he's got to get to the top and he's at the bottom looking up and he just sees all these guys start stepping out uh, at the stairs above him. And it, it really dawned on me. It's like, Oh wait. And in, in most movies, normally this is an impossible challenge now. So something else is going to happen. Somebody's going to call somebody and they're going to, things are going to change. And these guys are going to have to let him pass or somebody else is going to come out of this and like take all these guys out for him. Or, uh, he's going to find another way around the stairs. You know, all these other things that you would think in most films, uh, we'll find another way to get the character out of this situation. Nope, not here. John has got to do this. And so the moment by moment, step by step fight to get up to the top of these stairs. And then when he does get there to get literally just kicked and beaten all the way back down to the bottom and then have to try and do it again. I, you know, that's where it's like, Oh my gosh, this film is really going there. It's really taken us to, arguably the, the realest possible outcome here. There's no hand of God that's going to come in and, and change John's uh, path here. No, John's got to do this. This is his fight. And, and so look, if you take it to that extreme, like that being the metaphor of, it's not just about an action scene. It is about this character pushing through the most impossible challenges, every obstacle, every adversity that comes his way and succeeding. I, well, okay. That's I, my hat's off to you, man. You've pulled that off. That is a, a, a real accomplishment, not just in terms of the, the craft of it, but like the, the storytelling of it. And so I, there's so much in this film that uh, I feel like I wasn't expecting, wasn't ready for, you know, I wasn't ready for a gunfight in traffic. 
just there's so much in this that I, I I'm really just amazed by that it was pulled off and really for the most part for like 98% of it feels totally real feels like this was actually happened there wasn't like a lot of like CGI or or you know crazy special effects or whatever I just feel like this is real like hand to hand moment by moment uh brutal impacts and so I got to give it props I, I got to say, like, this, they really finished this off in a big, bold, bad way. And so, for me, it's a recommendation. If you're a fan of the franchise, this is certainly the one to see. You know, you may have your feelings about, oh, uh, you really like the smaller, uh, more intimate type of story of the first one. That's more personal, maybe, because you see the man, then you see the monster of John Wick. Or maybe you like part two because it's a little more fast-paced, a little more cutthroat. Uh, maybe part three you like because it really expands the world and we get other characters and other locations. This one, it, I, it, honestly, it really kind of has all of that in it. It's managed to sprinkle a little bit of everything. We've got new characters, got new locations. We've got a little bit more of understanding of where John is in his head and what he's trying to accomplish and then seeing him accomplish that. And, of course, it is entirely breakneck pace when it comes to the action. I mean, there's so much that is going on in every action scene. And so I, I think this is just a real winner. Um, I'm glad I checked it out. I was probably going to wait for a while to see it. But I said, no, this is a film. This series has really become a real surprise success to, to me, given when the first film came out. It seemed a little bit of a novelty and probably kind of a throwaway thing. And so here to see, like, it's really turned into a monster franchise. I'm down. I'm with it. So I recommend that for sure. So look, okay. So that was another episode of Film Shriek. I thank you for checking this out. Thanks for listening. If you're new to the podcast here, you're just checking this out for the first time. Uh, maybe you've heard some other stuff from the film festival and previous episodes. Uh, I appreciate that, but this kind of give you a sense of where this can go, right? Every episode I try to do some different stuff and I've got a lot more coming up here, uh, soon. I've got a lot of other types of films that I've watched and I want to talk about. So, um, you know, this, I'm just catching up with some newer stuff. We went to the theaters to actually watch these films and saw them on the big screen and, um, but there's a lot of stuff that's available on streaming and home video or, or you can rent it or whatever. And uh, so we'll get into some of that in a little while here. But um, in the meantime, hey, go to filmstreak.com. You can find this episode, of course, because you listen to it. Be, you can find other episodes. You can uh, you can find links to subscribe. Like if you saw some of the previous films. In, in earlier episodes and you have some thoughts on that, leave a comment there. Uh, or you can also, of course, send your thoughts to comments at filmstreak.com. And uh, let me know. Uh, let me know if you like the idea of the show here, even, you know, I've got, I'm sure some new listeners here recently. So um, everybody I've talked to about it up until this point has been really encouraging and, and um, excited about the idea so that's where I just want to keep it going and if there's ways I can make it better let me know so in the meantime 
you take care stay safe and uh stay dry stay warm stay cool i don't, I don't know just go watch something new Thank you.